The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is uh, a businessman, an entrepreneur turned author and actor, and we're going to find out about uh, his award-winning novel, Finding Grace. His name is Gary Lee Miller. He joins me by phone. Good morning, Gary. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to join you. This this book is a really interesting story, or actually, as it turns out, collection of stories, um, starting with uh, Grace Lee calling her granddaughter Judith with a dying wish for Judith to travel from Los Angeles to Nashville to come visit her. But there's a catch. Judith must uh, make the journey by bus. And I want to find out why that was, why that was so important. And, and Gary, the fact that you live in Chattanooga makes me wonder why it wasn't a choo-choo. <laughs> well, the uh, uh, Judith as a child... Uh, her grandmother and grandfather raised her from the age of 10 when uh, her parents passed. And they were extremely poor. She was bullied by classmates as a child. and But now that she was smart, so she ended up getting a full ride at Vanderbilt, uh, moved to California, started her own software company, became extraordinarily wealthy. And that wealth allowed her to build a cocoon around herself, ah. uh, just protecting her from the hurts that she had endured through growing up and through her childhood. So Grace's wish for her to return home uh, rather than taking her private jet, uh, she wants her to come by bus, knowing that you know that's going to force her back to dealing with real people and bringing her back into the real world again. So it's a journey of of Judith's transformation back into the real world because of from from each city that she travels to she has a different seatmate and she starts in Barstow California which you know that's uh, where I40 east I40 west uh, uh, begins and ends so she goes from well, there on to it's practically through the different cities it it's practically taking the old route 66 Exactly, exactly. Going, uh, you, you know, I forty uh, east uh, to Nashville, 
But uh, along the way, uh, Route 66 is mentioned and referred to you know, numerous times. You're exactly right, Tom. Um, I've I've driven that route. <laughs> That's why I know that. Literally <laughs> from Nashville to California. Um, and uh, it's. But what's interesting about this is is the riding by bus. Um, how, now is. I, I have to ask because your name is Gary Lee Miller, and there's Gracie Lee and and Judith. Um, are are these people related to you, or are they fictional characters, maybe based on people you know? They're fictional characters based on people I know. I I chose Lee in homage to. I guess are a, a fam, my past and future family tradition. I have my uh, grand, grandfather's middle name was Lee. My father's middle name was Lee. Mine is uh, my youngest daughter's middle name was Lee, and my granddaughter's middle name is Lee. So I just chose that as kind of a fun homage to um, to that family tradition. And um, you know, the characters in the book are composites of. Uh, friends and acquaintances and strangers who I've met uh, during my life's journey and being able to draw on those, putting them together in the, with the different characters uh, during the journey you know, from the West Coast to Nashville. You know, it's uh, one thing to tell a, a story and, and have a, a cast of characters, but the very essence of this story, Gary, is... Um, is is character intensive uh, because of these, you know, constant um, rotations in in seat companions. Well, it's the the way Finding Grace came about. There's apparently uh, everybody thinks it's an interesting backstory of how it all started, and. Uh, Unfortunately, the you know they say the the longest journey is um, starts by a single step, and unfortunately, my single step was losing my wife Sherry after over forty five years of marriage to leukemia. Mm. And after losing her, uh, one of the things in the past, a little hobby, just occasionally writing song lyrics, not music, just lyrics. And she had always said, you know, these are pretty good. You ought to spend more time doing that. And I never did because we were busy, you know, working, raising a family, you know, life was happening. Uh, but after I lost her, I had more time than I needed. And so I started writing lyrics again. Ended up over, of course, after she passed over a few months, I had about a dozen lyrics. And one day there was an angel on my shoulder that said, you know, if you take these six songs and you string them together, you can make a pretty good story from them. And so that was where it began. Uh, I actually wrote the screenplay for Finding Grace first, which the screenplay is essentially just taking, um, you know, minimal setup as far as the, the, the settings, but it's primarily dialogue. Uh, and writing a, a, a full novel is like 10 times more difficult because you have to create a, a living, breathing world of every detail there. But I wrote the screenplay first. had a friend of mine in California who read it, who was in the movie industry, said, this is good, but then COVID hit. So 
uh, all production was shut down, and at that time, um, I don't believe in coincidences, and, but at that time, I had another friend in Nashville who had published a best-selling business book that we were, he had sent me the book, and uh, I called to thank him for it. We were talking, and he said, mind if I read the screenplay? And I said, sure. He said, how about my wife? Can she read it, too? And I said, well, of course. A couple of weeks later, and I didn't know, I got a request for a Zoom call. His wife is an executive with a uh, international publishing company saying, we like your screenplay. Would you be willing to put in work to build a full fiction novel from it? And so with me completely with no background on writing screenplays or novels, I said, sure, you know, just, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> took, a, took, took a flyer and uh, began the process. I had a, uh, a wonderful, um, I had some wonderful help with a developmental editor, uh, Adele Boyson uh, from South Africa, lives in Guatemala, that uh, you know, helped me with the process and the fundamentals and everything. She was she was just a, a wonderful uh, guide for me along along the way, and from there, you know, built the built a book uh, from that. So, uh, you know, with the the six songs, the the format of the book, they're a good vehicle, which is kind of a play on words with the bus. But uh, <laughs> the, the the they're a good vehicle for being able to first introduce the character. Uh, telling of their backstory. So before they become seatmates with Judith, the reader has a, a really good feel for who they are. Uh, I did a lot of research uh, on throughout the book, but I, I tried to be very true to the socioeconomic state, status of each of the characters as far as the dialect and the region they were from. And um, so each of them has their story. They they sit with Judith, there's the visit, and there's a lot of interaction uh, between there. Because Grace's wish for Judith was that, uh, you know, while Judith would choose herself not to have any interaction at all, but, you know, Grace wants her to, each night when she come, comes to a stop in, in her hotel room, call her and tell her about who she met, their stories, and the things that Judith saw that day and that sort of thing. So that forces Judith to interact with them. And so as the trip progresses, she meets uh, six very different people who are each facing challenges during their own journey in their lives. And by listening to them and talking with them, we slowly see the transformation beginning to take place in Judith. So uh, it's also a bit of a travelogue. During the way, but at the end of each chapter, with uh, the visit with each of the uh, seatmates, uh, I have the song lyrics that kind of uh, where the, their story originally started. That I uh, took those lyrics and built their characters and built their stories from. And then, of course, she arrived in Nashville, and uh, from that point, uh, she's with with Grace, uh, sharing the the challenges of the uh, effects of the leukemia, which is rapidly accelerating, um, you know, the eventual passing of her grandmother. But then afterwards, it involves 
how she's changed and how she chooses to change the things that she does in her life. And that's, um, it's, everyone finds it very inspirational. It's a feel good book. Um, I, I intended it to be that. I wanted people to laugh. Uh, there's going to be tears. Uh, and I'll, a spoiler alert here. If you like happy endings, you will love finding grace. <laughs> I think uh, more than a spoiler, Gary, I think that's probably a relief for some people because, you know, the, the first thing people are going to think is that this leads up to uh, Grace Lee's death. Well, that happens, but it's it's in such a way that, um, you know, people... Well, you know that's coming. Uh, I, 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 of course. Uh, but it's told in such a way that, uh, you know, we know the in- inevitable is going to happen. And a lot of it is actually based on, while it's a, a fiction novel, uh, I drew a tremendous amount of the storyline from what I experienced with my wife, Sherry, and her boldness and just extraordinary strength in facing the inevitable and the way she handled it. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's quite a bit of clinical information in there that's, that is accurate, uh, you know, based on what was going on. But uh, it, it's just, uh, again, a feel-good book, even though there's, there's sad parts. There's, there's, there's happy parts and there's laugh out loud parts too. One of the things, uh, one of the, I guess the humorous vehicles that I used was, um, entered at the beginning of the trip. Well, of course, Judith's very wealthy. So she's got a couple of designer bags of a well-known fashion house. One is a <laughs> rolling bag and then a shoulder bag. And of course that, uh, becomes kind of a, a, people asking her about those and being amazed by them and of course she's irritated by it but it's kind of a running uh, a running joke during during the journey and there's a lot of other things that are included that bring smile to people's faces well because of these uh, song lyrics do you think you uh, um, really sort of came up with the characters first and and then the story well it it really started with the song lyrics. I, from the song lyrics, I've developed the character and built their backstory based on the lyrics. Um, everyone who has, has read the book is, they say, well, the, the, the lyric at the end really sums up and, and really encapsulate the character of that particular seatmate you know, telling the story. Uh, you know, some of the the song lyrics are, are funny. You know, some of them are touching. But uh, and it well, Gary, it, I, it was a it was a process. Gary, I need to put a comma here. I have to take a short break, but I would love to talk with you about the book some more. Um, can you stick around for a few minutes? Would love to. Thank you, Tom. All right, my guest is uh, author Gary Lee Miller, and the book is. Uh, um, called Finding Grace, and we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well, so don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. Everybody's doing 
it on brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. Hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about an award-winning novel called Finding Grace by author Gary Lee Miller, who joins me by phone. Gary, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No, enjoyed listening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... Just before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, about these song lyrics that, that were the basis for six parts to this story, six individuals that, um, that our protagonist meets along her bus ride from uh, California to uh, Nashville. And where in California? I'm not sure. It starts that. in Barstow. She lives in That's L.A., right. but, uh, that, but the bus line uh, with, the, with I-40 East uh, be, begins in Barstow. That's right. And um, I, I guess what I'm curious about, well, several things, but first let's start with you wrote this initially from these six uh, song lyrics. Um into a screenplay, which you had never done before, and then found someone who was interested in, in uh, uh, publishing it as a book, and so you fleshed it out into a book. Do you think it was a little easier to write the book having the screenplay first? Well, it helped because primarily the screenplay uh, is the... Um, interaction you know the dialogue between the characters um going back to the beginning i had no experience whatsoever in writing either one so when i made the the decision actually my friend in california i had um when he had learned of sherry's passing well uh, he had um given me some encouragement as far as you know doing things he said, "You know, you know, you're going to see her again. So, you know, you better get out there and do some some things, so that when you see her again, you'll have some fun stuff to share with her." <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that really encouraged me. But I I told them that I had uh, an idea for, um, you know, a screenplay, and he said, "You know, send me a two page pitch," which I did, and he liked. And he said, "But you know, you're the only one who could write this." you know, are you willing to try? And I said, yeah, I will. So what I did, I actually Googled and uh, I selected there were five different movie screenplays that I pulled up. And I printed out the first 10 pages of those five. Some of them were The Godfather, uh, L.A. Confidential, uh, Being There uh, with Peter Sellers, uh, and, um, <laughs> I love uh, that. I love Redemption. that movie, Gary. And so I, I just sat down and, and started, you know, reading the the five different screenplays. And there were two of them that I liked the format because I knew that was what I needed to do first was establish the format of writing. And so I selected those two, <clears throat> and uh, just wrote the first two pages of Finding Grace and looked at the format, and I was comfortable with it. And so I took all the other uh, 
form the uh, screenplays and I, and I threw them away because I didn't want to have any reference at that point. From that point, I had my format, and so I began writing. And again, the screenplay writing is primarily the dialogue, and it was. Uh, and I'm a very visual person, so as I began writing um, this. It was kind of surreal from the standpoint of, in my mind, I could see the characters and I could hear them talking. Again, I attribute that to the angel on my shoulder. And there were some days that it was a challenge to keep up typing as fast as they were interacting with each other. And so (laughs) it it just kind of took on a life of its own. You know, it's... it's it's funny you say that, Gary, because I, I often ask writers if, uh, you know, if, if they follow an outline or if they just sort of binge write. And if sometimes in the writing process, the story kind of kind of takes over and starts writing itself. Yes, because I had established the, the outline. I had established the, uh, the different cities and which characters were going to be in each city. Um, and and actually, before I started writing the book, uh, I had planned on flying out to L.A. and catching a bus, beginning in Barstow, and make the trip uh, to Nashville, uh, just as I was going to be riding. But then COVID had hit, and that wasn't possible. But, you know, thanks again, uh, Google, thanks again, YouTube, uh, I wasn't able to take the journey from west to east, but I was able to uh, start in Nashville. Thank, thank you to the various truck drivers, the RV owners, the college kids who actually set up their cameras, and I was able to take the complete journey through their videos from Nashville to Barstow. So I was able to see the the landscape and, you know, the, the various stops and everything. It was uh, uh, it was time-consuming, but it was important to do the work so well, that I could make everything as authentic as possible. Yeah, a lot of people do um, a lot of research when they're, when they're writing a novel, but the nature of this one allowed you a kind of research that I don't think people often get to do when they're writing a book and that's see your story played out by other people because of the because of the travel nature of it well exactly it it, you know it to a degree you know there's a travel log component to it because you know of course you know judith does various things she visits various sites uh along the way and uh there's a lot of uh Throughout the entire book, uh, there's a lot of thought-provoking observations and questions that are posed that the readers really have responded to uh, so that, you know, it's not just a, a feel-good, easy read. It's an easy read, but it you know, really makes you stop to think about uh, your perspective on life, viewing that through the eyes of uh other people who are having challenges. You know, I was uh, a professional musician for a number of years, Gary, and traveled around the country not that 
much of a spance, but I I remember being surprised at how similar places that I thought were going to be very different were to other places I'd been. I, I was surprised at at how much alike we've all become because of television and now the internet. Um, were you able to pull out the things that are distinctive about these different stops along the way? I believe that I I think I did. Um, I'll let the readers decide on that, but you know there are you know some stops that were just kind of fun, like the Cadillac Ranch, uh, where the tail fins uh, of the Cadillacs are sticking up like Stonehenge. But there are others like uh, visiting <laughs> in Oklahoma, <laughs> visiting in Oklahoma City, uh, you know the memorial. Uh, that they have for the, the uh, Murrow building and the lives that were lost there. Uh, one of the really important to me, uh, my favorite section of the book um, begins the, from Oklahoma City to Memphis because Judith's seatmate is a mother with a five-year-old daughter who turns out is going to Memphis uh because her daughter has leukemia, and so they're going to going to St. Jude's, and the the mother has no one else. It's just her and her little girl, and that plays a continuing role throughout the remainder of the book. Um, the a, a, a few months after Sherry and Sherry passed, uh, I was fortunate enough to go spend an entire day at St. Jude's. We both knew that. Eventually, the the cures from for leukemia would come from there. Most people don't realize that uh, St. Jude's research is open source, so everything they learn, they make it available to all the other research hospitals worldwide, so that it might help them find breakthroughs. They don't realize that most of the other research hospitals don't do that. They don't share their information to open source because they know that if they find these uh, breakthroughs, they can monetize it. So um, the, the St. Jude component is extraordinarily important to me. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of people working there at St. Jude's disguised as angels. And I recognized that the day that I spent, there was an executive there who uh, was gracious enough to, you know, allow me to tour the entire hospital. So I was able to draw uh, a lot of what I learned and saw incorporating it in, into the book. Are there, there are certainly lessons that Judith learns along the way in this book, Finding Grace. Um, but what ultimately do you hope readers learn from Judith's road trip and, and lessons? Well, on the front of the book, um, it says, in a world that sometimes seems out of control, we are each on our own journey in hope of finding grace. 
and I'd like to expand on that. Let me um, yeah, please. start from the beginning and expand on it. And this, this is what I hope for the readers that because of what they experienced during the, the, the journey and the process is in a world that sometimes seems out of control, we are each on our own journey in hope of finding grace. Once we tap into compassion, we can move from fear and anger towards mercy, justice, and grace. And by helping others find their grace, we will find our own. Did you have any, any um, oh, uh, criteria that you used for the interactions between Judith and the people she met along the way? Were there subjects that were off limits? And, of course, the big three would be, um, you know, sex, religion, and politics. But, um, man, maybe money. Um, did did you try to avoid certain subjects in these uh, interactions, or were you looking for just those things to see how people could relate differently about some of those things? I didn't really give that any consideration. As it turned out, um, I really... I, I really didn't get into those areas. Again, having the song lyrics kind of dictated the characters. But I deal um, with each of the characters. There are you know, social or economic issues that um, are dealt with, uh, you know, ranging from uh, emotional and physical abuse to uh, alcohol and uh, drug abuse. Uh, to uh, concern over uh, racial interactions and and, uh, and issues that uh, are dealt with, and again, everyone says, you know, those really made me stop and think uh, because of the perspective that they come from, and coming from the characters who are challenged in dealing dealing with you know, with those issues, uh, but, you know, coming from a, a positive place. Gary, how long did it take you to write the uh, the screenplay, and then how long did it take you to develop it into a novel once you began that process? It took me about six months to write the, the screenplay, but then uh, about a year and a half, with a novel, um, I didn't, and I'm, um, I'm not comparing myself to Ernest Hemingway by any stretch of the imagination. But his work habit was he would get up each morning, six a.m., and start writing, and he would write until noon, and um, then that would be it for the day. He did that every day. Now the afternoons, he, you know, spent drinking and <laughs> you know, partying with his friends. <laughs> but with me. With me, I wrote when I when I felt like it, when when uh, when I felt the need. Uh, writing "Finding Grace" was a way for me to work through my grief, so it was therapeutic. 
if nothing had ever come from it, that would, you know, as far as developing into a movie or, you know, even the book, it would have been okay because, you know, this allowed me, as opposed to, you know, grief groups are wonderful things for people. Uh, this was my way of working through my grief. So uh, whenever I felt the need, I would sit down, and actually the, the, the process, I would sit down, rather than be in my office, I would sit down be at home and sit at the end of the kitchen table. I had, had a picture of Sherry on one end of the table. I'd sit at the other. I would uh, have a Spotify music list with all of our favorite songs. I would have it on really low, and I would begin writing. And, you know, there were some days I'd write, you know, several days in a row, and there may be a week or two would go by, and then the need was there. And But when I sat down to write, I never had writer's block. Any time that I sat down, uh, the words came. That's interesting. I, I always share this Stephen King quote, and I don't always, but very often I share this Stephen King quote with writers. Um, he was asked if he wrote to a muse or to a schedule, and he his his response was, oh, always to the muse, but fortunately the muse shows up every morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and when you've got an editor's deadline, I'm sure that, uh, you know, for him, that plays a major role. Um, now that this book is, is done and out, um, do you think you have the bug, Gary? Do you think there's, is there another book in the works? Well, I've, everyone who has read it so far uh, across the board says, you've got to write another book because we want to know uh, about the, the rest of the journey of the six characters and also where, where has, you know, what is Judith doing? But that may be down the road, but right now what I'm doing is uh, I've taken the original screenplay and I'm working on revising it and updating it, incorporating you know, some changes based on the novel uh, into it. So uh, the book actually is a means to an end from the standpoint of uh, my goal from the beginning was for Finding Grace to be on uh, a movie or TV screen. So um, once I get the screenplay, I'm, I'm beginning the outreach now um, to you know, production companies or contacts or anyone who might know someone that can put me in touch with you know, someone that, who would be interested in, you know, bringing Finding Grace to life. Now, you've acted in, in movies and, and TV. If it became a movie, would you want to drive the bus? Well, that would probably <laughs> be about the only thing I would be qualified to do. So, <laughs> I'm a, uh, it would be kind of kind of fun just to have a a cameo role to to be seen in the background or or something during the process. Um, and and do you think uh, because of the uh, of some of the acting you've done, do you think you you have some contacts that you might get interested? I think perhaps so. Uh, I've been very fortunate. Uh, it was. Ten years ago was when I began all of this, and 
um, 42, the baseball movie Jackie Robinson was filmed here in Chattanooga, and uh, I ended up being uh, just on a lark. thought I would enjoy sitting in the stands, uh, seeing how a baseball movie was made. And it turned out they found out I had umpiring experience and asked me to audition for a role, and I was cast as a major league umpire. So there's <laughs> been, uh, been in it. Uh, I was a hob vendor in Hunger Games Catching Fire. Uh, I was a GNN newsroom reporter and anchorman, too. And over the, in the last 10 years, I guess, I've, you know, movies and TV, I've probably been on three dozen different projects. Just a hobby. I try to do three or four a year down in Atlanta. And uh, I have no aspiration whatsoever uh, to, you know, make that a, a second career or anything. It's just uh, something fun. And, and over the years, I've had a lot of ex uh, opportunity to watch how they're made and see how the directors, uh, you know, I've been able to watch, you know, Clint Eastwood direct, you know, been, worked with him, for him. And, uh, you know, uh, Ang Lee uh, and a number of other fine directors. To, and it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing process. Well, my guest is Gary Lee Miller. He is uh, he was a successful businessman and entrepreneur, and he uh, has um, turned uh, acting in movies and TV into a bit of a hobby, but he's uh, written an award-winning novel called Finding Grace about... Uh, Grace Lee calling her granddaughter Judith with her dying wish for Judith to travel from Los Angeles to Nashville to come visit her. But she has to take the bus for the journey. And uh, interesting idea for a story. And uh, Gary, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and, and maybe your work, past, present, and, and future. Do you have a website? Yes, Finding Grace's website is just simply Finding Grace Book, singular, FindingGraceBook.com. And there's a, a, a lot of information there. There's a link where you can uh, order the book from various retailers, you know, online retailers, and a lot of the backstory and other uh, things that people seem to find interesting. Well, it's a fun idea for a story, Gary, and thank you for sharing uh, the story with us, uh, with me and the listeners this morning, but uh, and also uh, in your book as well. And uh, keep up the good work. Well, Tom, thank you so much. You have been so kind and so gracious. I truly appreciate you know, and so many people along my journey of writing this book have just been extraordinarily kind, and my family's been so supportive. So, you know, thank you for the opportunity to, to talk with you about finding grace today. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, name of the book is uh, Finding Grace, and uh, the author is Gary Lee Miller. Um, if you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, 
we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. And don't forget, tomorrow's Wednesday, which means it's Armchair Politics Day. And we'll have Jan Worth Nelson joining our roundtable regulars. So be sure and tune in for that. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
regular table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I took a ride on the bus the other day. And it convinced me once and for all that there is a school for bus drivers. (laughs) Because they couldn't innately know what they do. They would have to go to school to learn some of these things. And I would like to take you out of that school. Uh, As we enter the school, there's a course going on in which they present the bus drivers with actual situations they'll encounter while driving their buses to find out how they react to it. And as we enter the course, we find uh, the instructor talking to the student bus drivers. Uh, You men have now completed what's known as the basic course in bus driving. In this course, you're going to be presented with actual situations you'll encounter while driving the buses. And it's primarily designed to find out whether you're just going to be, uh, well, good bus drivers or possibly one of the great all-time bus drivers. (laughs) Bus drivers like uh, the legendary Larry Strickland uh, probably the greatest bus driver of the 1930s and possibly of all time, Neil Norlag. <laughs> I, I'd like to take one of the students, uh, Johnson, you want to get in the bus, uh, and oh, uh, Mrs. Selkirk, you want to get back to your marks back there? Uh-huh. Uh, good. Here, here's the situation, Johnson. Uh, you've just pulled into a stop, you've discharged your passengers, and out of the rearview mirror, uh, you notice this old woman running for the bus. Okay. You want to you want to start running now, Mrs. Shellkirk? <laughs> okay. Let's see how Johnson goes about handling. Uh, hold it! Hold it! Hold it, Johnson. Uh, you're you're pulling out much too fast, Johnson. See, uh, she, she, she gave up uh, about halfway in the block, you see. Yeah, what, what you want to do is just kind of gradually ease out, you see, so uh, you're always holding out the hope they may be able to catch the bus. Oh, another thing you want to watch, a lot of these old women, they'll, they'll run at three-quarter speed, you see. Then, then they'll put on a final burst and they'll catch up with a bus, so. Uh, Graham, you want to be the bus driver? Yes, Mrs. Orkirk, you want to get back to your mark again? All right, let's try it with Graham. Same situation. All right, you want to you start running again, uh, Mrs. Selkirk? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, let's see how, how, how Graham handles this situation. All right, fine. Uh, uh, d did you all see how he slammed the door right in their face that time? <laughs> That's, uh, that's known as your perfect pullout. Uh, oh, one other thing. Uh, it wasn't part of the problem, uh, but uh, I want to compliment you on it. You blocked both lanes that time, pulling in. Uh, okay, and Mrs. Selkirk, I think we'll take uh, situation 13 this time. Yeah, you want to you get in the Chevrolet? Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham, this is a situation you'll very often encounter. You'll be driving along your route, and... Uh, all of a sudden, this car will pull in front of you, and on the back will be caution student driver or learning to drive, uh, something like that. Okay. All right. Mrs. Elkirk, you want to pull in front of Graham and see how he, how he goes about handling this situation? All right. That, that was fine. That was uh, very good. Uh, could you all see what he did there? Uh, he gets back about 10, 15 car lengths, uh, gets it up to around 60. <laughs> Then he gets right behind her, bang, he slams on his brakes, he hits the horn at the same time. Uh, did you all see how the car went out of control there? <laughs> the, the, the minute she dove for the floorboard, it just kind of swerved into the light pole over there. Okay, uh, some of you want to extricate uh, uh, Mrs. Selkirk from the car? Just uh, roll down the window and crawl right out, Mr. Sucker. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Sucker, I think this will be the last one. You'll be the woman with the packages on this one, all right? Okay, uh, Graham, on this one, I'm going to stand behind you because uh, you can't be expected to know this. It's going to take time and a lot of practice. All right, you want to get on the bus, Mrs. Sucker? That's all right. Fumble, fumble for your change. All right, now start heading toward the back of the bus. <laughs> That's it. All right, hit your accelerator. All right, hit the brake. Hit the accelerator again. Now your brake. All right, just see how she spun all the way to the front of the bus that time? Mm -hmm. That's, that's going to take a little practice. A lot of times, though. Grab a hold of another passenger. You may hit your brake too soon. All I can tell you is don't get discouraged. Uh, within five, six months, you'll have all of them spinning right to the front of the bus. <laughs> okay, now let's all get in our individual buses and uh, start practicing. And just remember, it's accelerator, brake, accelerator, brake. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, for, for homework tonight, uh, we're going to mispronounce the names of streets. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to LA. More than 2,000 miles all the way. Get your kicks. Now you go through St. Louis and Joplin, Missouri And Oklahoma City looks mighty pretty See Amarillo, Gallup, New Mexico Flagstaff, Arizona, don't forget Winona Kingston, Boston, San Bernardino Won't you get hit to this timely tip When you make that California trip Get your kicks on Route 66 
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. <laughs> 